0: Welcome to Conversations with Zee and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's d-h-a-r-m-a-media.com. Welcome back to Conversations. And today we're continuing our discussion about the apocalypse, the twilight of the Kali Yug. For those of you who tuned in last time, we covered all the signs of a major crisis that are going on right now. And these are signs that were foretold some 5,000 years ago in the Vedic scriptures. So these are things like jesters and people at the theater are going to be in leadership positions. We aren't going to be able to distinguish intelligence. We will evaluate people based solely on the amount of money that they have Z, you'd mentioned lizard people and how we won't be able to tell the difference between men and women anymore. So, this prophecy happened 5,000 years ago. All of the signs are falling into place. And last time we talked a lot about this and just the dysfunction that we're seeing in today's society. We ended on a bit of a, at least somewhat of an optimistic note, where we discussed how even though the situation outside might look dire, it's almost necessary. If you think about change in the world, oftentimes the pendulum has to swing far enough in one direction before it can move back to the other side. So if we take that perspective, that just might be a natural cycle that we're going through right now. And if we recognize that it's a cycle, it actually provides us a lot of freedom because we don't have to buy into it. We don't have to convince ourselves that this madness is correct or this dysfunction is the right way to live. We don't have to fight it. We simply have to step aside, allow it to run its course, and spend all of our time focusing on ourselves, how to manage our own lives, and how to manage our own health. So Z, why don't we start on that note, and maybe you can give us a more inspirational message this time. Last time we talked about the signs of the crisis. This time, why don't we start with your perspective on what do we do about it?
1: Well, then, one of the opportunities we have in these times and why there are uh, these sorts of prophecies or maps of... The eternal cycles that we go through as a species is that from those maps, from the witnesses who have gone out to the frontier, have come back. If we're if we're so inclined, we can listen we can give clarity to the moment and understand what am I going through right now? What's really happening with me right now? And I look at people who've gone through it, the sages, the uh, the 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 masters, the pioneers of days of york and what did they learn and from that we can then develop a really healthy strategy for for living now through these times that are generally agreed upon are the most peculiar times in known history in modern history for anyone living right now on this earth whether they're um, in their 20s or they're 100 years old We live in unprecedented times, and the prophecies, the scriptures, the Vedas, the they all gave us a hint of. When Lao Tzu penned the Tao Te Ching, a book of 5,000 words with everything you need to know about life, he had got fed up with the conditions of his homeland. He saw all the omens of social decline and he knew he had to pack up and leave. So there are different ways that we can separate ourselves from the normalization of intrinsic ignorance. And what I mean by that is knowledge is not one thing. It's not one thing you measure and say, this person's smart and that person's a dullard. Or this when you contain this volume of knowledge, if you've read this many books, you're smart it requires a lot, it requires a a little bit of research along with experience, along with theory, along with study. Then you take all that mixed up with actualization. What have I actually learned from it? And when you are able to have a healthy proportion of all sorts of intelligence, then you can navigate through this situation Again, we don't own the truth. None of us are the singular bearers of all knowledge. What I can share is just from my experience, working with people every day, you know, going through the ups and downs with everybody else, weathering this storm like others, and where can I provide comfort or guidance is simply where I'm coming from. In that place, it is time to do something very basic, which is Reallocating your energetic resources and managing your your life resources in a more budgeted way. That means that when the air is as bad as it is now in LA, the air quality is in three digits bad. So we don't go out as much. I talk to people every day. So I got to get out. I'm bored. I can't stay in the house anymore well how about go buy an air filter and and finish reading those books you never got to read how about finding a window of fresh air and spending a little time out there then come home and do your neti pot things like that are what is going to get us through the Vedas are real basic they tell us this is the time of bhakti devotion remembering so remembering those healthy archetypes what did they do how did they behave what are rituals you can do that help not only get you through this, but allow you to see clearly so you can learn from how we got here and then how to unravel your entanglement in it. So we look at what was said, the rise of clowns as leaders. Well, we all know it. So what are we really arguing about when we argue politics? The very fact that you're in a political argument Places you in a pretty unhealthy place because the bar is so low; it has been so reduced to madness to a level of madness. Just participating in it makes you crazy. So we want to figure out a way to pull ourselves away from that, so we can see clearly. We know that economically, we're going through a times that is no way to sustain the economy based on the way it existed. We exist in somewhat of a military-industrial complex. We, we, we count on conflict and so forth in order to enrich the economy. You can talk more about that. And so we know there, there's this phantom economy going on, this kind of smoke-and-mirrors economy. How then do we divest ourselves from this volatile materialism, which we've talked about before, and into a more holistic state of consciousness and being? simply by asking those questions and considering it puts you in a better place. Because ignorance is, again, the willful turning away from light. As it pertains to our health and well-being, we know we're going to have to do more of our rituals of exercise and living under the protection of filters in our environment of all kinds. So how do we work with that and develop that and then learn to embrace it and then learn to enjoy it. So those are things we could start working on. Always be comfortable with asking questions. We didn't just suddenly wake up in this position. We didn't suddenly wake up and the forest began to explode, the economy collapsed, comorbidities ran so rampant that people can't fight off a the flu. There was a journey we took to get here. There was a, a path we took. So what is another path that we can take? and I frame it in a, in a question so that it starts first with asking a sign of intelligence is to ask questions another good sign of intelligence is to understand the limits of your own knowledge we don't know everything but it is the exploration and the risk taking um, from the place of safety and security and normality that we find solutions So. I would say this is the point where we really nurture the relationships that we have that nurture us because we don't have enough energy you don't have enough resources to waste your energy and your time so manage them a little closer to the heart Uh, as it comes to our, our work environment for years and years people say it's very important to do what you love for a living And now this circumstance has pushed us and forced us to that because normal commerce is not going on and it's not going to come back for quite some time. So we have to find out what we love and then we're going to be exchanging what we love for the material resources we need. So it's going to include our passion, our blood, sweat and tears and our heart and soul. So find out what you love, what do you really love to do and and how it gives back to you. We want to nurture our allegiances to those who care for us and support us. Our tribes will be disbanded and reacquired but in a different way. Our tribes will not be defined based on somebody else's definition of who you are. So self-realization is the order of the day. Figure out who you are. Figure out where you stand. Find others that stand in alignment with you. And then build those relationships work collectively together, uh, study together, train together. Um, Each person brings different resources to the table. The human uh, existence isn't necessarily a salad bowl, it's more of a potluck. Everybody brings what they can, everybody exchange what they can. Go back to the more classical ideas of doctrine: to not steal, to really share what you can with others, um, someone may have a skill. You may have financial resources. Someone else may have medical knowledge. You may have building knowledge. Share and exchange, and this is good. It's, it's a new type of commerce, a new type of money, um, because what's going on now, the train has arrived to the station, and it's a train wreck. So let's try to divest from that in the most clear way, and then rebuild. Our lives on this more or less an arc of intelligence that you had the scriptural stories of Noah's ark. Right now, we have to build arcs of intelligence because right now, ignorance is ruling the world. The human behavior um, is, is at a place where we have really normalized low intelligence, and we've also tend to value um, linear intelligence or. Uh, limited scope of intelligence. So if someone says fancy words or they can read a certain... they can quote something or they say things, we say, well, that's a smart person. Well, we want to look at what have you experienced from your knowledge? What have you learned from the battlefield? What have you learned from the frontier? What risk did you take? What hardships did you encounter? And how did you get through that? I think that's a more... important way to look at knowledge that you wish to acquire. Someone who's been through something. I was talking to someone today as I was working in a session and I talked about mentors that I've had. I always talk about the great Willie White and how he could figure out what each runner needed to improve themselves. It wasn't necessarily in a book, though he read extensively and he studied extensively. He would then take what he studied, experiment with it, tweak it and adjust it based on those experiences, then apply it, take the knowledge of that application, measure its efficacy, throw out what wasn't useful, what's not useful, and include what was. That to me is brilliance. I also think about in one of my hobbies, uh, as you know I like to build things and make things, and one of the things I like to build and make are cars. And there's a there was a, a self-taught engineer uh, in, in in the auto racing Circles years ago named Smoky Unit, and what he did, he was kind of the father of what's called ground effects on cars, the aerodynamics. And he would take a toy car uh, that was like the car he was building. So if he was building some Chevrolet, he would get a model of that Chevrolet as a toy. He would attach fishing line to that toy and a fish scale to that line, and then he would go into the to a stream near his home and he would put the car in a stream and let the water pull it away and he would measure the weight of that car as it was being dragged through that stream then he would modify the bodies, the the little details of the body, the roof, the wings on the car, the spoilers and then he would again throw it in the river and measure it, or the stream and each time he would come back and he would say, well, when I first put it in, it weighed 8 pounds. It was 8 pounds pulling. When I added these aerodynamic shapes to it, it only registered 6 pounds of pull. So he's reduced the resistance of this toy through the medium of water. Then he would apply that to real cars moving through the air. He was so successful at this that he would win races and they began to outlaw the modifications he made because it had outdone all the major car manufacturers. Now they had at their at, 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 at their um, available to them, readily accessible, the greatest aerodynamicists, engineers, metallurgists, machinists and, and, and all sorts of uh, engineers, fluid dynamic specialists. But they couldn't beat him in racing. Why? Because each one of those experts each one of those brilliant people though they could apply and understand their theories and their calculus they did not live what they were trying and from the feedback of life they got information Smokey Unit got information that helped him make small changes that you were able to transport into everyday life so now we don't think twice when we get in a car and it's aerodynamically sound it doesn't make a lot of noise going down the freeway. There's not a lot of buffeting you hear from the car going through the air. And that is owed to someone like that, who not only did he have a reasonable amount of knowledge, he wasn't a a well-educated man, but he could apply what he knew, learn from what he applied, critique it, enhance it, and build from that, and then reach his aspirations, which which were to be successful in racing. And he did it. And he, with, with not billions of dollars, not with millions of dollars, but with what he had in his pocket, he was able to defeat the great automakers in, in, in the testing and racing. They used to say, uh, race on Sunday, sell on Monday, because they could prove the quality of their vehicle by winning races. And here was a privateer, what they call him a privateer, did that. It's the same way with medicine. You look at the first guy that performed heart transplants. He was a medical technologist in South Africa, and he wasn't allowed to uh, perform surgeries on certain people because of apartheid. But his study and interaction with the human body, saving lives in impoverished areas, he learned lessons that educated people who had great scholarly knowledge but had no visceral or tactile um, uh, way of exacting upon that knowledge. So he was able to perform the first heart transplants very successfully and teach all the methods of that to other clinicians. So we look at this time we live in. When we say ignorance, it is not just turning away from knowledge. It is the, it is the lack of skill in using knowledge, not knowing what to do with the knowledge you have. So you have people that appear to be very brilliant, but they're really very dull. So you don't want to do that. You want to take, what have I learned? What can I learn from this experience? How can I apply it to my daily life? And if you start out small, you don't start out big, you start out small. What are little things I can do every day that helps get me through these times? That's what we do. Ask yourself every day, do you have a wellness ritual that you adhere to no matter what? So on the foggy and smoggy days, What you have here, we're sitting here in my home that looks like a grenade went off because the kids are everywhere and all kinds of stuff's going on. But I have sacred areas that I create so that I can do my life practice. I can study uh, and do my research. I do my own personal fitness challenges. And I adapt them to the moment. They're very fluid. So I'm running air filters and all these kinds of things. So when this is when this storm passes, I will be able bodied, able bodied enough to engage the next challenge that will be there. Why? Because I want to live forever? No. Just because of my, while I'm here, I want to be able to offer myself the best I can to my friends and family. I want to do the best service I can to humanity. So I'm making myself as viable as, as I can under these circumstances. We eat a little less because you know when you're down, you're going to gain weight if you're just eating as normal and not exercising. So eat a less. Consume fewer calories. In consuming fewer calories, you're saving a few dollars because, of course, there's no economy anymore. For the average working person, for the average entrepreneur, it is a catastrophic crisis. What we still have, though, is our life. We have breath in our lungs, a heartbeat, and a snowball's chance in hell that we can get through this. So we have to take that chance. Be around people that don't drain your energy. So there's a lot of people right now I'm not calling back. I just can't do it. I don't have the energy or the resources to continue going the way we used to do it, where there was a lot of energy in reserve. And again, energy is expressed in many ways it can be expressed financially, it can be expressed emotionally, it can be expressed intellectually, it's all the same thing. So right now is a time of energy budgeting. So make sure anyone you're around is giving you back as much as they take from you. And if you see people that you really love that are drained, help them develop skills, resources and tools they need to be a better budgeter of energy. This is all part of the devotional model spoke of in the Vedas. This is the time of bhakti, this is a time of devotion, to remember with clarity the ways of the higher consciousness. Don't be fooled by experts. What I mean by that is flowery words are not enough. Show me how things work. I need to know how it works when I was starting my um, sustainable garden outside I went to a number of people and I talked to them how does it work I read a few books and I talked to gardeners and each person gave me a little bit of information so my chilies are growing well we're able to eat food from our garden we planted six or seven months ago I think it was good we we're able to grow food and have meals from that why because I'm not a horticulturalist, I have no real knowledge of agriculture, I have memories of being with my grandmother and planting gardens, but that was about it. But I listened to others who gave me bits of useful knowledge that I needed to do something that I was interested in. I tried it, I experimented, I took notes, mental notes, and I learned something from it. And then now we have food. So too with everything else we do in life, that devotion, my neighbor knew a lot about peppers and fennel. Um, someone else knew about other things. And I took little notes. So this is the kind of interaction we want to share. And, and, and in sharing that, what I did with my neighbor, I told her, anytime you want, you can have some of our chilies because the knowledge you gave me to grow them allowed us to be abundant in chilies. And she was really grateful. And, and it's, 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 it's developed a beautiful relationship with our neighbor. So we can look at that all around. For Everybody has a skill. Everybody has a resource. Every one of us has some sort of ability. So, but we don't have it all. So in this time that we're building an arc of devotional consciousness, an arc of intelligence, start rallying your resources. Use your time to call up and check in with friends and uh, families and associates of all kinds and cultivate those relationships. And then limit the ones that don't do anything for you remember all human relationships are based on mutual benefit so if you're not getting anything out of it don't put a lot of energy into it because you don't want to practice this kind of entropy where you're getting drained and drained, especially now Uh, we're in a health crisis, we're in an economic crisis we're watching a huge change in uh, societal norms so we want to be very clear on who we are while we're going through that this is how it is described how to weather the Kali Yuga and um, it's worth reading more about it so I would say Vin this is a time to really educate ourselves and develop skill sets that allow us to navigate minimally with minimal energetic needs with minimal energetic footprint and also minimize our gluttonous nature. Remember the Kali Yuga? People become gluttonous of all things. They want more and more and more. That doesn't work anymore for the intelligent person they can they know when to say uncle. It doesn't work anymore. Let's do what works. These things will be with us for many years. The collapse of the economy will be with the average person for many years even though we are now having more and more trillion and billionaires. There's only a few people on earth. There's only a few hundred of them as where there's tens of hundreds of millions of other people who are suffering. When it comes to health, the general health of most people is in the worst state in recorded history. So make a pledge to yourself to not be one of the minion, to really work on your health, to avoid the bad habits and the shortcomings, or take responsibility. What I do, I tend to do intermittent fasting, and I have a a classical vegetarian diet. But in the mornings when I'm drained and I'm exhausted, I yell at Caitlin to go bring me a, a what is the thing, I get a matcha with uh, Chocolate milk, croissant. And I need a chocolate croissant because I'm a chocoholic. So it's a it, it's one of those things I get, but I know how to pay for it. I'm going to do a thousand push-ups and I'm going to do 500 pull-ups tonight. That's how I pay for that. And then I'm going to eat my vitamins. I'm going to do all that. And I'm going to go to my sustainable garden, pick some nice stuff. and. Um, nurture my body that way, we just got a nice water system here, so we're drinking the alkaline water, so I'm dotting my I's and crossing my T's, yet acknowledging um, the, the role that I play in undermining myself, and I encourage everybody to do that right now, and it really works, for the people that are doing that, they're doing really well, again, we're not doing super good, don't look for that, let's just do well through this, let's weather these storms as they come up the political season and the social season right now is a hellscape so we want to be able to avoid that as much as possible uh... right now the the narratives are so flawed so you really want to be careful with your energy and getting caught up in that um, so those are some things that i can think of that we can do to uh, manage ourselves and stay on the light the lifeboat through the kalyuk you follow me then?
0: Z, I think the energy management is critical, and we touched on this last time. When we're in the midst of this dysfunction and you've got people who are tribal and who are screaming to try and validate their point of view and picking fights, and the whole world just seems to be going to hell, there's a real value in being able to step back from that. I think this gets back to the title of our podcast, The Dispassionate Observer where instead of engaging and picking these fights and spending time with people who don't provide anything in exchange or entering into arguments that do nothing to advance ourselves or knowledge or going along with the crowd and following the madness and keeping up with the routines that are unsustainable we can step back from all of that and if we step back from all that i think a couple of things happen one we can serve energy the way that you're talking about and in times where you're dealing with fire and smoke, and it's taking a physical toll on your body, you need that energy. Even beyond that, you just need energy to live more efficiently. And if you can redirect that energy inward, you can sustain yourself, you free up a lot of creativity, you free up a lot of passion that otherwise is just constantly drained, putting out fires, metaphorically, uh, for lack of a better term. So, Stepping back from all of the craziness, all of the drama, I think, gives us some perspective. It gives us some freedom. It allows us to conserve that energy, to hunker down, as you're saying, and to survive this craziness. And I think it does something else. And you touched on this earlier in your comments, which is this idea of intelligence. And I'm going to frame it a little bit differently than you did. When I think about the system that we're a part of and you think about what constitutes intelligence And you mentioned uh, Smoky Eunuch. I think about a lot of fields where people have optimized a given process or a given way of doing things. And then you're intelligent if you can advance that way of doing things. That's the standard measure of intelligence. So if society itself is on a path to hell, and we're going down and doing things that are totally unsustainable, and you're the person who can figure out ways to accelerate that decline, and do things that are even more unsustainable, extract even more than you need from the environment, mistreat other people in in even greater fashion than we have in the past, whatever it is, you're considered intelligent. Or if you take a less nefarious view, if you've got a certain body of knowledge, which is a life science, this is how you're supposed to live. You're supposed to exp- aspire to X, Y, and Z. You're supposed to get a certain house. You're supposed to go and do a certain set of activities. We hold up people as examples of success who optimize in those dimensions, who can collect more houses, or who can go to more events, or who can cram in more activities, get more degrees, more accolades, whatever it is. That becomes our standard. And I think from a relative standpoint, it makes sense in that you're part of a system, the system is moving in a certain direction. If you can speed up that system or move faster than everyone else, sure, relatively you're ahead. But the advantage of stepping back is you get an absolute perspective and you can step away from the lunacy and you can ask yourself, does the direction we're going in even make any sense? And that's really, I think, the reason that we've gotten to such crazy times, because there is either a herd behavior or a pressure that we all feel to do what everyone else is doing. And we've got a certain standard of success, a certain set of norms that govern our behavior that everyone is bought into and for a while the dysfunction builds but it builds below the surface and that dysfunction hits such an extreme it's almost like amassing a pile of dry tinder you don't know when it's going to light on fire but you know that any spark uh, whether it's a cigarette or a bolt of lightning or arson whatever it is the conditions are ripe where the thing's going to burn down i think that's the point that we've gotten to. these problems have been accumulating for such a long time if you think about the health crisis that we face, if you think about the economic imbalances, the disparity in wealth, the fact that corporations keep on making more money at the expense of workers whose standard of living is stagnating to going down, that's been happening for a long time, it's not new. It's been going on for 30 or 40 years, Uh, but recently it's gotten so extreme that we're seeing it. Uh, The problems in terms of racism, the problems in terms of polarization, these have all come to light uh, because the underlying conditions have been in place. So being able to step away from that madness, maybe you can't stop the train, but you can say, I don't want to be a part of this. I'm going to manage my energy the way that I want. I'm not going to invest in something that's broken. I'm not going to jump on a train that's running off a cliff. I'm going to choose a different direction. And I think there are a couple of aspects to what you're saying. There's an immediate aspect, which is, if we are in a point of crisis, let's be very careful with our energy, guard our energy, hunker down, But there's a longer-term implication as well. And I think if we can truly step back, we can unleash some of that passion and that creativity that you're alluding to. So we don't have to do things the same way as everyone else. And I think that's the most beautiful thing about this time. We can step back and say, wow, this shit is really fucked up. I don't have to do it. Not only do I not have to do it, I don't even have to justify not doing it because it's so obvious that this lifestyle is unsustainable, that it's leading to massive problems socially, it's leading to poor health personally, I can make a different set of decisions. And it's almost like you wake up one day after a nuclear explosion, and I guess if you're one of the survivors, and maybe you're far away enough from the radiation that you can survive, rest of civilization is destroyed, you've got carte blanche. You have the freedom to build whatever kind of existence you want, whatever kind of relationships Whatever kind of commerce, that's another thing you mentioned that I think is very important. Uh, How do we interact with other people? What can we exchange with others so that we can survive together as a unit? And if I don't have a certain set of resources or skills, I can tap into you and vice versa. And that's a mutual benefit. It's a different kind of commerce than what we're used to. But we can create those kinds of relationships. We can follow things that we're passionate about. We can live more sustainably. We can have our rituals And I think we have the freedom at this point to completely reinvent ourselves and reinvent our existence. And it's not necessarily about changing what everyone else does. It's about looking inward, thinking carefully, reflecting on what we care about, what we're good at, how we want to live our lives, how we want to spend our time, what nurtures us, and then living that way. And I had shared last time some of my own personal experience. I think it took me a while to get to the point where I felt comfortable rejecting everything that was put in front of me. So I had this feeling, maybe a visceral feeling for a long time, that something's not right. This just doesn't feel good, what I'm doing, this path that I'm headed on. But I didn't know anything else, and maybe I couldn't articulate it. I think today it becomes much easier to see the problems and stand up and say, I'm going to follow a different path. Or even if you don't declare it publicly, just go ahead and do it. And it requires a little bit of dispassion a little bit of energy management, a little bit of stepping back from the routine, asking yourself what you care about, what you're good at, what constitutes a life well-lived. And ha- when you talk about devotion, I think about devotion to the people we care about, and also honoring yourself, honoring your value as a human being, your skill set, your intellect, and putting that to good work, it, sorry, to good use, uh, not just squandering it, going down the path that someone else has defined for you. And so, I think it's interesting, Z, because we started this conversation last time on such a dour note, talking about fires and ash and pandemics and you know it's like plagues from hell uh, that we're dealing with. And you overlay that with poor health and and hatred and so forth. But I think if you're able to step back from all that, it's really a message of inspiration uh, that I don't have to participate. I can do something better. I can do something more sustainable and I can really thrive, regardless of whatever madness is going on around me. No, you're
1: absolutely right, Vin, and as you're talking, I was thinking, just reflecting upon life and then where we're at now and my experiences. Way back, I can't remember, maybe it was in the 70s or 80s, there was a movie that came out that was very disturbing, and it was one of the most watched television shows in America, it was called The Morning After. and It was about, it was during the Cold War, and it was about what would really happen if there was a nuclear war. And it really woke up a lot of people at the time because people were always
0: talking about uh, you know, the way that the government and, and, and,
1: and so forth worked, the military. It were, people were always threatening each other, always threatening. And this movie was so shocking because it was a great depiction of there's no winners in a nuclear war. Nobody wins in a nuclear war. And so they showed the survivors the morning after the war. It was a very disturbing show at the time and what I think about right now, we're in the twilight of the Kali Yuga. we're imagine us the day after the apocalypse and people are wandering around with no skills, no resources um, scavenging so let's put ourselves in that position, all of us, let's just put ourselves in that position let's do a checklist of our resources and our offerings to those in our life and what we call the reality. Do you know highly literate people that can help you interpret things? Do you know coders or people who are good with technology? Yes or no. Do you know a plumber who can help you with your water? Do you know an electrician who could help you if the lights are out? Do you know um, a welder who could help you if something breaks down do you know any friends that can set a bone or offer uh, first aid and medical services and I want people to just really take a checklist of the people they know and the relationships they nurture everyday on some of these internet apps you get a thing that talks to you about your credit report whether it's good or bad and you sit there and plays it like a video game You go buy something at the restaurant, your credit score goes down two points. You go put something, you pay a bill that goes up two points. Let's get rid of that thing for a minute. And let's look at our credit score with our shared humanity. If you were to say that it was the morning after, who are the people that you know you could turn to and exchange with things that would help you sustain your life or help you Look after your daughters, your friends, your family. Do you have somebody you could call that you could go check in on your mom and dad? Do you have uh, someone who you know can get you the medicines you need or the supplements you need? Uh, They have a stockpile of that that you could, or enough of it or access to it that you can trade for something. What trade? Can you trade a class? Can you teach somebody meditation or yoga that they could use in lieu of antidepressants um, anti-anxiety drugs and this is your real credit this is the real credit you need this is the real commerce you need and we've always needed that. That's really what's valuable. What do you exchange or have you hoarded your resources in such a way that all your relationships have a very singular transactional base well then you're in bad shape right now because the economy is shifting and falling so you want to have a number of ways to exchange your curry shells right now can you babysit for someone and can they babysit for you you know these are things when you look at your life who do you have my wife said to me the other day who by no means is in the survivalist vein that I am she said "Z, can you make sure that our Unimog is gassed up and everything is ready to go just in case I have to get to my parents and the highways are closed so we know there are back roads to the high desert that can only be traversed using a four-wheel drive vehicle but her thing is, you know, I want to get to my parents in a time of disaster and she saw it because she witnessed the the uh, Jinder Reveal devastation fire when we were in Pasadena a week ago we saw the beginning of the fire where the skies were darkening And there were these huge mushroom clouds coming up from the fire in the direction between her and her parents. So I said, yeah, we can get there. We have the right vehicle. We have all that. And what about others? What about other people around? Uh, Who can check on your parents for? Who can check on your kids? If you can't get to your kids, who can go to the school and grab them for you if they're not right near you? And this, this isn't dreadful to me. This is really, every day, Wouldn't it be nice if we had cultivated those relationships? Do you know people globally that if you needed to go to Costa Rica and spend a weekend with someone, or a week, or whatever, do you know someone who owns a farm that you could maybe hang out at for a while until things settle down? Again, I'm not saying this to make people like me and be into this whole apocalyptic survival thing. I'm just saying the, the the energy it takes to develop those relationships is a good way to spend your energy. I try to teach and share with people every day something that better[s] their life. In exchange for that, they do things for me. Right now, during the apocalyptic times of the Chinese, I, I tend to distance myself from people who are not sharing or exchanging in an equitable way, because there'll always be people that look for a bargain. There always be people who want to get a lot and give nothing, or get a lot and give little. So right now I don't I can't deal with them at all because our resources are minimal. But it's really cultivating human credit right now, is very important. Real human credit. Don't ask for anything from anybody and come empty-handed. If you can't give money, give your time, your resources, your energy, uh, take out the garbage, plant some food, bring a meal, just as a practice. So this is the, this is the way we manage to the Kali Yul. These are acts of devotion. Show them not in words, but in action and deeds that I love you. I value you. You advance my life. You support my life. You extend me as a human being. These are things we should be doing anyway, but during these horrible times, we have been far away from that. We forgot about that. We have singularly transactional relationships, and we have learned to live with that. We tend to be thieves. We tend to try to get more out of people and give nothing back. I know people that will just watch others suffer to see how will they get through the suffering. It's like watching a train wreck or an auto accident and you just sit on the edges and watch and observe. Wow, look at that person struggling to get out of the road. I wonder if they're going to make it or not. Better them than me. Those are people that you solely eliminate from your life. And not give energy back to that. Because right now is a time where we have to collectively support, encourage, sacrifice. Give freely of your heart and your time to things that give back to you. Just like my sustainable garden. When I'm out there tilling the soil and watering it every day, it gives me food. When I don't, it doesn't give me food. And that can happen in different ways. So this isn't just something bleak and dire and, oh my God, the, the politics, the social unrest, the environmental collapse, the societal collapse. You know, the truth of it is, as you said, it was built on a foundation in sand anyway. The tide has come in that foundation no longer exists. So let's build a foundation deeply rooted in the granite of the earth so that it lasts and lasts. And that way, we will do. We will fare better than worse. We cannot live forever, but we can affect the quality of our life here. Stress is off the charts. Hospitals all over the country are overwhelmed with stress-related diseases and immune, immune-compromised diseases. Let's do things now within arm's reach that nurture our humanity. We all build our own arc of survival by nurturing and cultivating the communities and the sub-tribes that are around us. Don't be fooled. Don't be deluded by the madness. Pull yourself out of it. Withdraw from it immediately. Master your meditations learn how to be okay being alone that is a basic sign of intelligence that you can be alone another basic indicator of intelligence is the ability to be still can you be still because what you're doing is managing your energy and in that stillness you're able to see plot plan and create healthy strategies for living all life is strategy so these are things we can do now these are all devotional practices You follow
0: me, man? Yeah, the analogy that you have about building a life and a foundation of granite, I really like that. That's something that resonates. And I think it means a couple of things to me. Number one, we don't have to be touched by external circumstances. The world can be falling apart. People can be fighting, screaming at each other doing whatever crazy things they're doing. But if we have a strong foundation, our life, the structure that we create, will remain intact. And with that foundation, we can thrive. We can grow. We can develop. We are not subject to the vicissitudes of the external conditions. And I think that's something that is extremely powerful. And that's what happens when, as you say, Z, we approach life with that devotional mindset We can cultivate relationships, we can manage energy effectively, we can do things that we're passionate about that are sustainable. And in the stillness of our mind, we can find presence, we can find appreciation for whatever challenges we're going through. And that to me is a rock solid mindset. That is something that is not going to be destroyed by fires or pandemics or tribalism or whatever other signs of the apocalypse we're dealing with. So I think if we are just able to create that foundation, uh, we're in a much better, much healthier, much stronger place. And despite the apocalypse, in some ways, we might end up better off on the other side because this might force us to reconsider our behavior, excise some of the habits and some of the relationships that have been draining us. So it's an interesting juxtaposition because on the one hand, the conditions outside are deteriorating, but on the other hand, if we can build that strong foundation, even though the world is going to hell, we might be going in the other direction. We might actually be uplifting our own life and living in a much better way than we would be living had we just been plodding along, following what everyone else is doing, and we never stop to reflect and get off of this train. So in that sense, Z, I think what you're saying is very powerful. And just keeping that analogy in mind, I think not only allows us to survive these times, but come out stronger on the other side.
1: Yeah, man, I'd like to close with just something, a challenge that I have for everyone and and something that I try to do. In this time where the Culture and society built upon a foundation of sand is inevitably collapsing around us. What isn't collapsing is the richness of the human experience. The snapshot of time that you call life, that we call life. I'd like everybody to, as often as you can, check in with people that have affected your life in a positive way. Ask them... Is there something you need or is there something I could do for you or just do something for them that would invigorate their life so when you need them, they're there? If you own land or you have a space, let select people know in your life that let me just let you know that if you're in a bind, you can stay with me. If you know somebody is really worried about something and their parents and children, say, you know what, I have some books and clothes my kids don't need anymore. So don't go out and buy any clothes. I'm going to send you some things. I'm going to box it up and send you some things that you may need for your kids so you won't have to use your limited income on that. If you know somebody has always been there for you. And you never really showed them the gratitude. Show it to them now. Let them know you love them, that they're valuable to you, that their life is significant to you. Build that granite foundation of devotion within your own reach. We can do nothing about society at large there is nothing you can do to change the masses of people, the mania, the collective ignorance that is diseasing the world you know. But there are things you can do in your life. I get to speak to some of my mentors every Monday. I get to see one of my teachers. And every day I get off the phone, I'm glad, I'm in gratitude because I got to let him know he was valued and he meant something to me. And he made, and I get to show off to him that his work was, was, went to a good, good cause. His endurance of my growth and being there for me when I wasn't there for myself, I'm able to let him know I, I loved you and I, and I offer myself to him in service and as a proxy or surrogate of his knowledge because he's so humble. He never speaks up for himself, so I represent him. That lifts me up. It gives me purpose, it gives me cause. Because this era we're going through is depressing as hell. It is terribly depressing. And the more you talk to people, the more it increases that depression. Because ignorance offers nothing. So be intelligent, be a light, In the barren times. Be heat in the cold. Offer comfort to those that are suffering. But you don't have to go out and try to be Dalai Lama. You have in your phone book. In your contacts. People that are good to you. People that love you. That adore you. And they're they're going through it too. Everybody's going through it. Just check in. It doesn't take much effort to send somebody a note, reach out on a phone call, help them with a meditation, give them an instruction on being healthy or well. And then, as you get closer to home, remind each other of the transiency of life. And between you and I, Ben, you know that if this stuff gets worse, gets rough, and you need me to go get your parents, they're a few miles away. They may not believe. How bad it is, but we know it is. We know it is. And again, not in a dreadful way, but you can't breathe the air in California. It's unbreathable. Literally, it is unbreathable. And the air that you do breathe is laden with a virus of unknown origin. And with that, there is political and social unrest that has caused everyone to be on one side or another with no middle ground. Hatred has got a new infusion. And the illusion of tribalism are, gu- are guiding the blind and ignorant. So it is time to hunker down. So I got you covered, Vin. And um, anybody else that's with us, just check in. Love you much.
0: All right, brother. Well, I appreciate that. Good to know that the, the parents are in good hands. And I think the perspective you have is spot on. Uh, Let's cultivate relationships, manage our energy, reconsider our life, do things that nurture us, that unleash our talent, our passion, and come out of this whole time stronger. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.